Forgotten Flicks, episode 113. The Willies, 1990. You fellas all right out here? Great, just great. Hey, we're just going to sleep. You boys aren't out here giving each other the willies, are you? <laughs> I just told them what happened back at Greeley. They didn't believe me. Oh, they didn't, did they? Yeah, we don't believe him. Yeah, that really didn't happen, did it, Uncle Henry? It really happened all right. Every word of it. Prove it, Dad. Yeah. Prove it to us, Uncle Henry. This is Lance Hendrickson, and you're listening to Forgotten Flicks. Hello, and welcome to Forgotten Flicks, the podcast where we, that's right, me, a bald man, and Jason, a hairy man, remember the movies you grew up with and in some cases movies that you probably didn't grow up with and in hindsight probably wish you had or in some cases wish you had not so either way we're good i am joel joined as always by a man who will in fact give you to quote i believe it was nathan a wet willy (laughs) jason (laughs) yeah we watched the movies uh you grew up with because we were watching we saw what you were watching. Yeah, so we actually were in your we, room yeah, at night. That's right. You should be ashamed of yourself. What the, what's wrong with you? I, I love, I love that in that intro clip, that <laughs> uh, the uncle sticking his head in the tent, and you boys aren't out here giving each other the willies, are you? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we uh, did, Uncle. What was it, Uncle Harry? Yeah. But, oh yeah, that's appropriate. <laughs> we did, Uncle Harry, but it didn't hurt. We promise. Yeah. I hope you were gentle. <laughs> Yeah, so tonight we, well, oh. today for us, I guess it's sort of evening, early evening, which is unusual because usually it's darker out when we. Yes. <laughs> times daylight savings or not, whatever we're, whatever we're in right now. I never remember if this is daylight savings or this is not daylight savings. I assume it's not, right? Because we're getting more daylight, therefore it's not saving anything. Regardless, <laughs> it's bright out. It's, it's daylight, yes. whatever. Uh, but for this episode, we decided we were going to go back to. Uh, a little bit of horror action because we haven't covered a horror movie in many months, probably since Spooky Flicks Fest. Anything uh, in between? I'm trying to think. I uh, nothing that pops. Nothing that pops up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know. No, somebody out there's probably saying, "Yes, you morons, you covered the blah, 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 but no, I don't remember. I don't think so. Even even if we have, it hasn't been recently because we've done a lot of action films. Uh, we've done a couple of comedies, and then we did and a couple action movies that were in fact. Or unintentionally comedies. <laughs> like we did. Uh, yeah, so this is one that we, we have wanted to do for a little while. And on top of it, it's one of our horror sweet spots, or at least our soft spots, uh, in that it's a horror anthology. Yes. Which we do love, both love, the film version yep. and the TV stuff. So yep. love me a horror anthology. I know you do. So when, yeah. when I picked the willies... As my movie pick for what was it? What episode was that? It wasn't Jim Cotta. It was before that. Was it Interspace? No, it was before Interspace because it was the same oh, episode. I think it was like the same episode as I was gonna say it was the episode you chose Interspace as your pick, and then we did Interspace the next episode. 
So it's Remo Williams. Yeah, I think that I, was the I one think before it's that. Somewhere in there. Yeah, it's either Remo Williams or Inner Space. One of those. I, yeah. I picked this as my pick and then said, oh, we ought to do it. And I said at the time, I might have to play the classic evident and classic by the quote fingers. You can't see that right now. Quote, <laughs> the classic evidence uh, mix that I have with the taper winding and then the uh, audio right. clip of me when I yes, had, you saying we should totally do that oh, movie. movie be awesome. <laughs> now, the question is, do I need to play that tonight? Because that's usually because I have egg all over my face because the movie I swore that, oh, we got to do this movie. Ah, see, we're mm. not going to give that away yet. I don't think we will. No, I think we're going to save that to the end because I think that uh, everyone should watch this film uh, on their own before they. Uh, yeah. Hear or at the very least, if you don't want to, you can listen to the rest of the show because we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yes, we are. And we do spoil the crap out of it, which you'll get your warning if you're new to the show. That being said, Jay, would you like to hear the really, really odd trailer? <laughs> I would, and I want to. I want to say two things about it. One, uh, for those of you who have not seen the movie, don't watch the trailer before you see the movie. Uh, it doesn't spoil everything, but there's definitely a spoiler in it. And two, I want to talk about afterwards whether or not this is an actual official trailer for this movie. Hmm. So go ahead. Interesting. Okay, here we go. The Dead of Night, a backyard camping trip. Three young boys, each with a tale. This story is guaranteed to give you the Strange events are happening at Greeley Elementary School. Annie Hollister, is that you? And they're happening to Danny Hollister. No one believed Danny, at least not at first. Monster indeed. What are you staring at? For at Greeley Elementary School, not everyone is who they seem. <laughs> the first day they opened the haunted estate, one old man took a ride. I could have gone on It's Such a Wee World or the Enchanting Wiki Hut. Would you say he got his money's worth? The following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at your local video rental store. We now return you to Forgotten Flicks, already in progress. Thank you, JV. Um, <clears throat> for those of you that sat through the trailer, <laughs> or the audible version of said trailer, you're welcome. Because Jason and I sat through the whole thing. The version you're getting is oh severely truncated down. It is. it is. That's why I warned you, if you watch it on YouTube, because the trailer's there, uh, it's going to have some spoilers. And it's like, what, three... Four minutes long. <laughs> I agree with you. It, you know what? It, especially the voice at the beginning. It yeah. reminds me of, especially it seems like back in the 90s, where 
a movie they would redo the trailer just a smidge for the video release. Yes. And you know, it, it coming seems- soon and then and the voice is always never as deep or uh, yes. intense as like the Don LaFontaine's or the you know, it was never that kind of voice. It was always that three boys in a tent, each yeah. with a tail. Did the tails wiggle? Who knows? <laughs> but they gave each other the willies. <laughs> and, it, and it almost seemed like, uh, at least the beginning part of it, seemed like a uh, a really weak Rod Sterling impression. Just kind of a, this is a tail. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it wasn't exciting and it wasn't big. It just, it, it seemed to me like exactly what you said. It well, seemed wait, like wait, a VHS wait, wait, trailer. Wait, wait, you said it wasn't exciting, it wasn't big. You mean the trailer or the tail? <laughs> I don't know if the willy was big, but hey, whoa, hey, <laughs> no, the uh, the voice, because you said there wasn't a lot yes. into it. It yes. wasn't that exciting. It's almost like they were in a hurry. Uh, quick, quick. We need to hurry up and record this. It's just a very, it's just a very generic yeah. voice that you would hear in, say, I don't know, a commercial for a medication or something. It's just a very, it's not a trailer voice. It's not yes. dramatic. No, it doesn't excite you to want to go see the movie. Now, I will say, Jay, before you go into synopsis mode, this is going to be interesting because this movie, being an anthology, it it has different parts to it. So I would like to offer up, let's do it in three chunks. The Well, what we'll call the beginning, and I think you know what I mean by that. Okay. Then we'll segue from that to the first full tale and then segue from that to the heck of whole thing. And as we do each one, you can like kind of synopsize, you know, each one before we go into it, as opposed to trying to synopsize the whole shebang. Okay. Well, actually that's, that's kind of, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. And okay. so I'll give you this general overview. Okay. That the idea behind this film or behind this movie is that it's three boys camping, um, in a tent. Yes. And it's, Star Sean Astin, who plays uh, the main boy. He's kind of the oldest. I'd say he's probably in his, I don't know, mid-teens or so. Yeah. Uh, plays Michael. And then there are two younger boys that are camping with him. So yeah, it's he's like Kyle. he's like he's a young, he's the older cousin, and these are like his and young. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's he's their older cousin. So they're all three kind of in a tent. And the the basic idea is that they're camping out. It's the middle of the night, and they're going to tell spooky stories, right? So that's really the overarching storyline. And then the anthology part comes in, like you mentioned, uh, in parts as they tell stories. But this is really, that's how Sean Astin comes into this uh, as he plays the the older cousin telling stories. And the two younger cousins, uh, nobody big that I recognize, Jason Hurst and uh, Joshua Miller were their mm-hmm. names in my notes, but uh, nobody that I thought were in something else really big. But so that's the... That's the overarching kind of setup. So in these three segments, let's let's start with the first segment temporally. So this is what happens in the beginning of the movie, right? Yes. Uh, and, and before we, we go into it in depth, I, I want to state this movie is unusual for a lot of reasons, but specifically because typically anthology movies, especially anthology horror films, because most most anthology movies are horror based. Not all of them. There are a handful that are not. But the majority I would say are typically horror films. So they also typically have three, sometimes four, even five short stories contained therein, right? Mm -hmm. That, that are of approximately equal length and each usually around a similar theme or idea. Okay. Like we did tales from the hood way back in the day. Right. And they all Mm -hmm. had, had 
similar ideas and themes. And there was what, three or four story. And then of course you also have your, your book ending story. Well, I actually want to get into that a little bit, but I want to save that for the end. Yes. But, but uh, this movie is unusual because you think that that's what this, the first, you know, 20 minutes or 15 minutes or however long that, that, that opening piece lasts before we get to the, the story of the kid in the school. Uh-huh. But none of those are, I mean, they're, they're urban legends or vignettes, which, you know, we'll touch on those, but mm-hmm. I found it, it was just, it was, and I don't mean this necessarily in a critical way. It was off-putting. Like it, it kind of threw me off kilter. Like I was like, I don't under, quite get the beats well, and, and rhythms. I'm, this that, is, that, well, that, that I'm going to go ahead and talk about it now okay, because let's do this it. is something that, w- that I wrote down that was probably my biggest uh, observation of this is that we've done a couple of anthologies and we've seen dozens of them between you and I. Uh, and one of the things that's important when you do something that is a series of short stories, and this works, this is both for literary works and for, for movies is you have to have a good pacing for them. And you mentioned that a little bit. And so some of the ones we've covered, there were three good, uh, equivalent sections that it, that were the same length and then the interim story or the overarching story kind of played in between those lines. And, and a little bit uh, at the end, maybe more like we when we talked about Tales from the Hood, uh, the ending, you know, mm-hmm. add a little bit more. It was it was funny. It was horror. But um, the stories in between had a very even cadence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it's interesting. You've brought up that we've that there are other anthologies besides horror, but that most of them are. Mm-hmm. I think horror lends itself to the short story. Absolutely. Yeah. Much, much better than maybe any other genre. And you, you can mm-hmm. see that in some of Stephen King's work, which uh, are some of my favorites of his, where he does, um, was it Four Seasons, where it's four short stories to yep. make up a novel. Or well, going back, going back to Poe and Lovecraft, I mean, that's primarily yeah. so what they wrote. Yeah, it, it works brilliantly. And so that's why I think horror anthologies uh, in, a, in movie format is actually really great. And I like that idea which is why some of the series have been so mm-hmm. um, popular with Tales from the Crypt and uh, uh, Tales from the Dark Side and things like that. But this one was interesting in that the three segments, let's say they had three segments to work with, and mm-hmm. let's call it um, just for, I know this wasn't a two-hour movie, but let's say for math's sake, you've got a two-hour film. You've got a 30, a 30, and a 30-minute short, and then you have a few minutes in between to kind of fill in that extra. So you got like seven, eight, ten minutes in between to fill in that two hours, right? Mm-hmm. If you break this movie into three sections, the first section had some really odd, shorter stories. So the first section had what three, three short shorts. Uh, was there only three? Let's see. The lady in the restaurant. The oh wait, restaurant. that was another one. Okay, so that was a really short one. Yeah. So here's what here's there's what broke, a four, I think actually. So here's what broke the cadence for me is in that first one they had a super short one, mm-hmm. then they had a little bit longer one. Then they had another super short one. No, no. Then it was two about that same length. But all of those were a fraction of the other two sections. Mm-hmm. So um, let's break those down. First, you had the the woman in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is the three boys are there, and they start off with, and I know you're with me on this one, probably a staple of our childhood as young boys in the 80s. Yes. What's grosser than gross? Now, for the Indeed. ladies in the audience, or for you gentlemen who may not have partaken in this, uh, this is a contest of which elementary age boy can come up with the most disgusting scenario. Now, yes, most of us did not come up with our own disgusting scenarios. We simply repeated what we heard from other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it was kind of this disgusting, gross 
perverse. A complete and total barforama. <laughs> yes. The goal was to gross your friends out as much as possible. Yes. Yeah. And that is ultimately what what you could argue this micro anthology contained within the overarching anthology of the Willies really is, is that it's yes. urban legends, but told as grosser than gross jokes. That's really what they're, they're not even trying to scare each other at first. They're no, just trying to gross each scary. other out. No, it's not scary at all. These are just, the first segment is just gross. Now you could argue that the one with the old man, um, which there is kind of this story of the, this, the, the old guy played by Bill Irwin, who yeah, you recognize him. him up. Very, very famous uh, actor. Um, he plays the grandpa on home alone. But if you, uh, that segment was about him riding a haunted house ride and these things happening that looked real. And he, when he gets, actually, to I thought the it was end, kind of funny. <laughs> it, it was, it was actually cute, well put together. But, um, at the very end, you know, he's, he's riding and I don't know if you caught it, but he makes kind of three or four references to Disney rides, but Wait, calls it like the, enchanted- I should have ridden. It's a wee world. <laughs> It's a wee world or an enchanted wiki hut. Well, he was obviously on the haunted mansion, right? Because remember that one point you actually he hitchhiking ghost. Hitchhiking ghost, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the idea was in that one that he was riding a really scary uh ride, which the scenes came to life and were real. And then at the end, the twist to that story was dun dun dun, he died of fright. Yeah, it wasn't scary. Now, no, it wasn't. But did you recognize the the girl that was unloading? I recognized uh, her. Yes. Uh, I know her name is Kimmy Robertson. I cannot place her. And uh, due to my sort of chronic laziness, I neglected, <laughs> despite being on IMDb on a regular basis, to look up what else she's been in. But I did recognize her. I know the name. Well, I know I'm, the I'm voice. Just gonna, I'm just going to call you out on a movie we've covered, which she was in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, which that goes way back yeah. because we covered this in That's our like baby single, single digits right wasn't it like single yes. digits yeah so she was in that but you would recognize her and she was been in a bunch of other stuff um including she was in parent uh, parenthood with steve martin um and a handful of others so anyway one of many cameos yes there's a lot there's a lot in this yeah. yeah so that one was more horror-esque but the rest in that beginning were really just gross yeah, we, had, we start off with the woman goes into a KFC-type establishment, uh, orders a j- large bucket of fried chicken, goes to, I guess, make love to it with her mouth. Literally, she has an entire... Imagine the big family-sized KFC yeah. bucket to give you, the very stereotypical... Uh, I, not stereotypical, iconic big bucket. Yeah. She goes down by herself to tear into this yeah. bucket. And she, she sort of had a Mimi from Drew Carey show vibe to her. Yes. Yeah. And, the hair and the makeup. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and of course she starts to like, just say, I mean, way too into this chicken takes a huge chunk out of it. And then realizes what, what, what's grosser than gross. You realize you're eating a rat because there's a big old yeah. chunk of rat in her mouth now. And of course she like Bleh. rat. Yeah. Yes. And, I, and then, of course, you said the old man one. Yeah. I say we have to jump to the one that, honestly, I'm, my mouth was on the floor. And, and Jason, here's a hint. Oh, just drive the baby off so he won't get the sniffy-wifflies. So he won't get the sniffy-wifflies. When that thing's cranked up, were you were you like, are these, they're not serious. Are, is that, is this happening? Yeah. And I'm going to put the, um. I'm going to put the link to that clip because that clip's available on YouTube. I'm going to put that up on Facebook because um, you got to watch that firsthand. So, <laughs> well, I, I do. I think we have to tell them what it is. <laughs> no, you don't think we should. Okay. 
Yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, we, well, here's one. the thing. If you don't want to know and you like to be, just pause, it's already on the show. It should be in the show notes. So just go to ForgottenFlix.com forward slash 113 and hit play. <laughs> yeah. Now come back. Welcome back. All right. So this is uh, this is just another grosser than gross story that one of the kids is telling. I don't remember which one. I think it was the youngest, uh, the little blonde boy. I kind of think he wins. Josh. Yeah. And it it's so weird, it, ridiculous, over the top. Um, it, it's not horror or stunning as much as it is. Are they really going to do that? So it's a lady washing her poodle in the sink. It doesn't even show her washing her. It's literally, it starts with her like lifting it out. Like my schnook comes time to dry you off. So you don't get a cold. And she opens an old microwave, <laughs> tosses the dog in the microwave and closes it and puts it on was like three minutes. Yeah. Like yeah, three solid minutes. <laughs> Right. And so the, the this section of the movie, this story is probably in its entirety, maybe three or four minutes. And most of the movie is you just watching the dog looking out of the microwave window at the woman and the woman kind of cooing at the dog. Oh, my goodness. comes almost done. Yeah. And the timer clicking. And, and here's the thing. <laughs> I got to be honest with you, though. It works because like the whole time you're like, I just I, for me, it did. I'm like going. They're not, are they? That's what I kept saying. Like, no. And so you're like anticipating what's about to happen. Yes. You're like, no, no, they're not. And then it goes. And the dog's fine. The dog's like licking its lips. It's still sitting there. And she says, all done. Opens the door. (laughs) Boosh. If you've seen gremlins, you know what we mean. Yes, it is. It's how a gremlin explodes. And she's covered in this goo. And she kind of leans in and is like, Snookums? <laughs> and then the camera zooms into the inside of the microwave. Which is like dripping. And it's all, yeah, it's covered. And there's a little dog tag with the collar just in the slime. It's so disgusting. <laughs> now, to be fair, uh, I'm going to say that you is hate not poodles. So you didn't care. I do hate poodles. You could throw them all in the microwave, but please don't do that. Cause I get in trouble. Um, <laughs> but, um, they could have gone much grosser than that. This was really just like they used brown slime. Yeah, it and didn't even look, it didn't look like the inside no, of any animals. More it like was a, not like you actually killed a dog. It just looked like she got slimed by ghostbusters almost, but, uh, but it was still pretty effective. So. Oh yeah, it was gross. I mean, it was definitely and, and it, it, again because the whole time the dog is not like the dog's expanding and burning as she's freaking no, out trying to no. figure out how to get out. It's nothing like this. Very like no. campy. The music almost reminded me of like a John Waters thing. Like there was this like serial mom, just that vibe. Yeah, everything's yeah. all dee, 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 dee. the music's playing, <laughs> the bossa nova in the background or whatever, and the the kitchen that's very past a lot of pastels and you know just. Eh, and then just kaboom. It's yeah. yeah it really was there, were there any other ones in that section? I don't remember if there were or not. Uh, let's see. There was the rat fried rat. The old man. Old man. Blow up dog. I think that was it, right? There was something else. They did tell a couple of other grosser than gross jokes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jokes. And well, I will say, yes. One of the jokes they told, I think they modified. They did from its original. They did. Did you see? Did you hear it? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and we didn't even talk about it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly so, what you're talking about. Go ahead. So, go ahead. Go, well, so, go ahead. <laughs> we're way too excited for this. Yeah, I know. 
Who tells grosser than gross jokes? Not just <laughs> elementary school kids, men almost 40. That's who. That's who tells grosser than gross. Okay. But Jason, uh -huh. go ahead and deliver that one that you think was modified because I think if it's the one I'm thinking okay. of, I know it was. So there was a couple that they talked about. I'm going to mention that uh, they were straight up. So one of them was like, what's grosser than gross? What? Uh, eating cornflakes and then realizing it, your brother's scab collection had gone missing. Yes. Yes. That was That's one that I heard as a kid. Yep. Um, the one that I recognized that was changed was what's grosser than gross? What? A pile of dead babies. Oh. What's grosser than that? I don't know. A pile of dead babies, and the one on the bottom is eating his way to the top. <laughs> now, yes, that's horrific. That's terrible. <laughs> but I, hey, but it's, I was funny. 12, it's funny. It's comedy. It's comedy. When you were twelve, it was actually younger than that. But uh, but in the movie, yes, they said puppies. Yes, they did. Now I, I present this to you. Do you actually think that that was the joke they intended to go with, or? Do you think at some point, either some executive or director or producer or whomever said, we can't say babies, you got to make that something. A little I don't know where, down. where it came down from, but I have no doubt in my mind it was modified because this is, this was intended to be a horror movie for kids, which we'll get into how, how much it's not, <laughs> but, 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 but you think that somebody actually specifically on that one, they said, altered, they, somebody, somebody altered it. Yeah. On purpose. Oh, Wow. I'm pretty sure, because the joke I always heard was always dead babies. So, <laughs> okay, yes. so, so here's my point on this segment of it. Yes. Two things. Uh, and I actually had this. And by the way, notes. everybody out there, you're welcome. Yes, you are very welcome. Two things. One. Yes. I was actually surprised that they went ahead and had the lines in this uh, that they did or the script about the scabs and all because they really didn't stop. I mean, those that segment wasn't just one throwaway line. It was a good handful of sections. Yeah, it was. Um, so I was surprised that they went there cause it was still kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> Even for, you know, early nineties. Yes. And two, this kind of stuff works on the elementary school playground. Just, it didn't work in the movie. So, uh, that part of it, except for the old guy that dies in the haunted palatial estate. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, the other two, it, it, it didn't seem to fit with the rest of the film and it didn't seem to fit in a horror anthology, you know, where, uh, it was vignettes. Now it did fit. Of course they were telling stories and it did seem like, yes, these are, um, elementary or middle school age kids telling gross or scary stories, which would actually probably happen if those three kids were camping, uh, in the late eighties. But yeah, it wasn't as good at the storytelling piece. That segment, No, it was definitely segment. not a good story. And, and I think, here's here's the thing it was like i said before it was off-putting i mean a because it was gross but yeah it just it created this off-kilter feeling only mainly because like you said normally you'd have a movie and it would open the first five minutes they would have told the grosser than gross jokes that would have set yep. everything up and like oh yeah okay almost yep. like the kids would get bored and they go well what do you want to do oh well, you know any scary stories oh yes. yeah i know real scary and then you'd go right into the anthology yes that's not what happens here. We, I mean, I don't know how I didn't really time it, but was at least 15 minutes, right? I mean, between, yeah, it was a long, it was a long piece. It by it itself felt, felt like almost, like I said, a micro anthology built into the anthology. Yes. And so I would have liked, I would have been okay if they had told a couple little bits 
and uh, done the grosser than gross thing, even if they had the little dog in the microwave piece. But if it was much, much shorter and it was just the setup. Yeah, and I think show. the problem with showing it though was was that you yeah. because you're in an anthology and that's how anthologies roll, right? Somebody starts talking and then we cut to. I thought we were now into the the anthology part of the movie, and it and then when we came out, yeah. I was like, it threw me. Now here's the thing though, and and it, I I I'm probably giving far too much credit, but you know a great horror movie does throw you off a bit, and. Yeah. And I think in a weird way, it kind of works in the movie's favor to set things up that way because you, I don't know about you, but it's just like my expectations were thrown askew. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know what to expect next exactly because I just saw a poodle explode. So within the first 10 minutes of a kid's horror movie and I'm like, what, what is going on? I'm confused. And, and of course, and then probably even better than that was this one. Wait, wait, wait a minute. This isn't that dumb story about the time you and your friends found that pirate ship in an old cave. No, it's better than that. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love the kid. I wrote that what? down. I wrote that down. Yeah. So, so as, as the kid, you know, Sean Ash is getting ready to tell them the story. Uh, and then one of the kids points out, you know, that time you win your pirate ship in a cave. That was actually, okay, so here's a note I put about that. Because that's, that's a brilliant uh, little homage to Goonies, which was what? Four or five years before this. Yes, yes, five years. So it was a it was a funny thing. I absolutely caught it. And uh, anybody who I guess probably went to the theater to see this movie would have probably remembered the Goonies because it wasn't too long after. But can they do that if it's not the same like production company or a theater? Sure. You know, is that is that something you want to typically do? Well, or? It, well it depends. Obviously, I, I thought that if it was something, you know, I I, I see that as they they play that. Um, that type of card, if it's really in the same house, you know what I mean? Like what if it's existing in the same universe, you mean? Well, no, even if it's, well, maybe in the same universe, definitely. But even if it's within the same, uh, you know, Disney oh, or no, no, Paramount. No, no, or- no, 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 not at all. I, 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 here's the, here's the typical danger with doing something like that. You're in a sense breaking the fourth wall. Cause what you're acknowledging yes. is you're, you're in a sense saying, Sean Astin more than because obviously he the character he's playing is not the kid from the Goonies. It's not the same yeah, name. Now it's, he's not. Yeah. Now he's not Michael. No, now he's exactly. He's this different uh, character. Sean Astin. Exactly. So because of that, it, if you were trying to make that argument, uh, you know, that it was the same character, even then you still could get away because you could always argue under the guise of satire and parody and you're making fun of it. And yeah. that was meant to be a subtle. Obviously, he was in on the joke jab at Sean Astin. And my guess is <laughs> that this was written and directed by Richard Peck who is himself an actor. So my guess yeah. is he was friends and with a lot of the folks that are in this, which is why, which is why there's so many cameos in this yeah. very low budget horror film. And my guess would be that he wrote that line just to jab his buddy. That's my guess. And yeah, you could totally yeah. do it. I mean, there's no like legal or any, that's not a copyright thing at all. I mean, you can make, he could have said, they could have said the Goonies. They would have been fine. They well, yeah, showed I, a I clip from it, but no, I didn't think it was a uh, a copyright thing. I just thought, why would you do it unless it was? Well, and I guess in this case, it was probably because it was uh, pulling from a more popular movie. Yes, so, yeah, and it was it was a tongue in cheek joke meant to be a wink wink at the audience. Yeah. It would have it would have been it was well actually that was well done. It would have been bad if then he looked at him and goes, "Oh, you guys are a bunch of goonies." Then it would have been like, uh, "Oh God!" Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. it was subtle enough. <laughs> that there was probably a lot of kids and people who would not have gotten that. Yeah. Cause they didn't overplay it, you know, but of yeah. course anybody who knows that movie would be like, yeah, I get it. 
So, it is distracting. It is. It, it basically it pulls you out of the movie. But let's be honest, we just saw a friggin' poodle blow up out of a microwave, <laughs> and we're already true. kind of pulled out of whatever. Now, yeah. now here's the other thing about that because you talk about the timing. They did that opening sequence. Yeah, and then they went to the Willies. Yeah, the, the opening credits. Title. Yeah, it seemed a long time before they got into. Yeah, like I said, everything about the pacing. And my guess is, being that this is a first time writer director, it was a yep. low budget affair. My guess is this was just a case of perhaps not the best grasp completely of storytelling pacing, but in a weird way, again, go back to it kind of works in its favor because you, you don't expect that. Yeah. It does keep you on the edge of your seat. It, it, yeah, you, you just don't, don't expect you know, kind of like you, you feel off kilter, which in, you know, in a good horror movie, it should make you feel a little weird and off kilter. Yeah, that's so. true. Okay. So that's segment one, which we covered in uh, most of the episode. <clears throat> so uh-huh. <laughs> segment two leads into the next story, uh, which is basically the, uh, the story that you Stephen hear Kings mini me. Yes, it does. It looks like him. Um, it's a story of this kid in this elementary school. Who's a kind of a nerdy kid with big glasses. He looks a little bit like a, uh, 10 year old Stephen King, uh, sort of, and he's in miss, Titmarsh? Is it Titmarsh? Um, I thought it was uh, Boob Swamp. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he's in Miss Titmarsh's uh, class, uh, goes to the bathroom. Of course, the bully, the very classic bully, uh, picks on him in the beginning. Uh, but he goes into, um, oh, no, wait, starts with the bully, like, hanging him by the rafters. Yeah, you know, practically lynching the kid. Yes, it's it's a little excessive, but... <laughs> a little. Uh, <laughs> the idea that uh, they literally tie him up with rope, hang him from the rafters. Was a fire hose? Didn't they use like a fire hose? A fire hose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And gag him so he can't speak. And the janitor comes in, played by James uh, Karen. Yep. Uh, who's a, if you look him up, he's very famous uh, face. You you recognize him, older guy. And he says, literally, here's my quote. <clears throat> Well, dunk my bread and gravy. <laughs> so uh, he helps he helps the kid down and uh, uh, says, if you have any other problems with those kids, you come talk to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to be the nice janitor. And so the kid goes to Miss Titmarsh's class. Uh, he has to go to the bathroom when he does. There's a monster in the bathroom. Yes, there is. Tries to tell her. She this monster, Jason. <laughs> Sounds oddly like a lion. Yes, uh, very much so. Uh, looks kind of like a monkey with no skin and gigantic teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so it's in there. He freaks out, tries to tell her she doesn't believe him. And you can YouTube clip the next part because Miss Titmarsh goes to find out for herself. Oh, wait. Oh, you mean. Oh, you mean. Laura Titmarsh did not get a degree in education to be cleaning up toilets. Monster indeed. <laughs> Monster indeed. <laughs> indeed so uh yeah so um then the bullies get their comeuppance and uh do the same thing he's now, like no there really is a monster yeah because well, the kid come well what it is is they, they build the whole thing up right so the kid she's obviously a really lovely woman loves educating the young people <laughs> yes loves this not kid in particular. At all. no not and, for now no not at all no. and uh so the kid <clears throat> has to go to the bathroom she gives him crap Finally lets him go. No pun intended. But finally, <laughs> finally lets him go. He comes back. He actually had wet himself. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he got a you know, like water on him. Like the oh, poor no, kid I... peed his pants. So of course, everybody's laughing at him. 
And then she, that's when she takes him back to the bathroom. This, uh, no spoiler here, something bad happens. And then the kid comes back and the kids are, actually one of the kids says, hey, where did, where did Miss Boob Swamp go? And then, <laughs> and then it's the three bullies. And then he says, oh, the monsterator, the monster. And they're of course, like, what monster? You're an idiot. And then they follow him back to the bathroom. Now, a couple of things. One, did you catch who one of those bullies was? No, I, I tried to, cause before this, we talked about who, mm-hmm. uh, that, that they were, there were a lot of cameos in this movie. Uh, I didn't recognize any of the, well, when the I tell you I one of them is without giving anything away of what comes a little bit later, you'll make a connection. You'll go, Oh, right. One okay. of them was played by the kid who played Ben Seaver on the growing pains. Ah! <laughs> Something else makes sense. Yes. Doesn't it now? Yes. And yeah. he was, uh, yes, I, I know who you're talking about yeah. now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And for some reason, brain fart, the actor's name is escaping me, but Ben was his name on Growing Pains. All right. So he was uh, in that that he bully trio. Three bullies, yes. yes. Now, here's the thing. There's a couple of things about this short. Besides the fact that it was a little too long. It was surprisingly dark if you're willing to go below the surface just a hair. Yeah. A, the janitor. Yes. Because... Spoiler, folks. Spoiler, and we mean this spoiler. The janitor. Yeah, spoiler if you've never seen... Go go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) The the janitor was the monster. Yeah, and by the way, if you've uh, seen not even a full horror movie in your life, but maybe, I don't know, 30 seconds of one, you'll (laughs) figure that out pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah, not a spoiler. No, So, (laughs) so, so here's the thing, though. I would argue, and again, maybe given too much credit here, but if... There was some level of, let's say, uh, literary intent on the part of the uh, the filmmakers here. The guy is almost symbolic of, especially when you think about the 80s, right? And you remember, because of the whole Adam Walsh thing, and, and I just remember yeah. constantly with Stranger Danger, and I mean, I know they still do that now, but I just remember being a constant refrain back then about the idea of people grabbing kids off the street and all that stuff. So, almost like a child predator, because he was he was so friendly to this poor that the kid who's like the victim right oh yeah totally and do you get that and then of course he, he ends up being a monster well but here's yes i absolutely you, absolutely agree with you i mean i realize i'm probably reaching a bit but at the no same- no not, not at all here's the part that makes me think that because you've got the section here with little mini stephen king right uh you've got where he gets the teacher in the monster eats her you get the bullies in the monster eats them and then they show they pan up he is in the rafters and he puts his skin back on. And Mm -hmm. that's when you realize he's the janitor, right? But cut to the next scene Mm -hmm. is when they're at a different school Mm -hmm. somewhere else. And they actually, I think broke back to Sean Astin and the boys at this point, because they asked what happened to him. And they said, Oh, he moved off to another school. And that's when you have the segment where he's a new janitor at a new elementary school. And the principal comes running up with this mom and says, Oh, have you seen little Billy? He's missing and and nobody knows where he is. He left class, but his mom didn't pick him up. That whole section, that's what made me feel like it was like a child predator or a kidnapper, murderer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, exactly. And then that. they go and then they come back to the kids in the tent and then they say, well, we're, you know, uh, Sean asked us something to the effect of, yeah, they just say he's he changes his look from time to time. He's just going from school to school. And it's just the whole thing was yeah, like, yes, he's a freaking well, he does give you the will. Actually, you're like, but for probably not and, the reasons they intended. <laughs> no. And, and the biggest thing for me was the part where uh, they say, have you seen Billy? And oh, the yeah. janitor says, 
Oh. Billy was a bad oh. boy. Yeah. You know, way he, he gets, basically he, tells him what he does. Like he picked on other kids or he did something. He was really, but no, what made that even Uber creepy. So then, but she goes, no, he goes, you know, no, I didn't see him in the prison. Like, well, if you see him, let us know. And they kind of scurry away. And then he, and they described what he'd been wearing. Oh my and, God. And yes. the janitor so reaches. They said he had a red plaid shirt on. Yeah. So the janitor was getting ready to clean the windows. He reaches into his like mop bucket, whatever, and pulls out this shirt. But did you notice as he starts wiping the glass? It was it's, bloody. It was full of blood. And he's was like, like wiping oozing. the windows bloody. I know. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, what is this? So, I mean, in a good way, actually. I'm like, this is not what I expected. Well, but even to add another level of darkness to this thing, right? The fact that the little kid, little Stephen King's mini-me, he kills those kids oh yes so that was the best so i watched this <clears throat> call child protective services i don't care i watched this with my kids of course so, you did <laughs> so we're watching that part and so where the bullies are out there they're outside the bathroom three of them with the little stephen king kid which, which i don't remember his name now um they're there and he's like no i'm telling you there's a monster so like we're gonna go check it out you're a geek and they push him out of the way and they go in, right? Mm -hmm. Well, as they're in there, he hears the sound of the monster. So what does he do? He knocks over the water fountain to block the door so yeah. they can't get out. And then no, and then to make it and worse, then stays there. To listen to them get eaten. <laughs> right. So so my son was like, Wow, he actually is the one that killed them then, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> Your son's yes. very smart and has a moral <laughs> so, compass. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he was he was definitely getting demented by the end of that oh, uh, but the whole thing and it's like after i even looked at my wife i was like man i was not expecting this this yeah this, this took a turn for the darky <laughs> dark dark this is like but it did and here's the other thing and before we go into the the last segment yeah the, were you a fan of the original tales from the dark side tv show you know, we've talked about this a couple times. I haven't looked it up. I remember watching some okay. and liking it. I don't remember the specifics. Okay, does, this yes. ring, does this ring a bell for you at all? Listen carefully. Man lives in the sunlit world of what he believes to be reality. But there is unseen by most an underworld a place that is just as real but not as brightly lit a dark side still an awesome intro yes yes Creepy. i do remember that okay yeah and <laughs> tales of the dark side was executive produced by romero it featured occasionally, you know, stories from like Stephen King and Robert Block and other famous horror authors. And yeah. it, uh, Tom Savini, actually, I think his directorial debut was A Tales from the Dark Side. It, ah. it gave other people opportunities, had lots of well-known actors in it. Uh, it ran for about four years. And it, mm -hmm. it was also a one of those sort of early uh, 80s syndicated type shows yeah. where, because I, I remember it played like on one of our local independent type stations, which a lot of the other shows on that had that low budget quality because you know, they were produced locally some of them yeah. and this would come on at like you know midnight or whatever and in, in different places it would come on at different times so it always had a very specific look they shot it i actually remember reading this somewhere they shot it 16 millimeters so it wasn't even shot 35 so it created this kind of grainy lower yeah. budget almost dirtier look to it well it, it almost felt like what you would 
when you look back and think of some of the old fifties horror serials, like the TV serials, almost like a, uh, well, maybe earlier than that, but I was going to say like Twilight Zone type, but how it had the grainier feel. Yeah, but I would even argue Twilight Zone, even though that was in the 50s, it still looked polished. It looked good, even though it was black and white. This, I always felt like Tales from the Dark Side, it just looked more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Like uh, it, yeah, it, that, yeah. that, that lower budget, super 16 shot, grainy, not well, you know, it's being not, you know, as brightly lit. Like our right. episodes. <laughs> and, and and in a way, some people would knock it for that. Like, oh, it looks low, but but I think it actually adds like kind of a creepy layer to it. Yeah. And yeah. and so what I'm getting at is to me, the Willies, really, if you were a fan of like Tales from the Dark Side, especially aesthetically to me, the whole movie, The Willies, looked like an episode of that show. Like it yeah. looked it. It, it it just the the vibe of it just the whole even some of the campy comedy the broad comedy yeah it's it reminded me a lot like I, I even told because I had, my wife was a big fan of that show too and I said especially the two main stories felt like slightly longer versions yeah. of, sh- of show you know episodes that would have been on that show easily no I agree and and it did feel that it did have that look and that feel to it plus like you said even with the first one it had that very dark turn to it. Uh, that felt more like a Tales from the Dark Side type of thing. Like a Stephen King. The the first one felt almost like a, yeah. a short story. And interesting yeah. to point out, they were all really little kids. Like, they didn't get actors that were older to play kids, no. like teenagers. Like you figure no, these were 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kids. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> the main little kid, what was he, 9, 10 at best? Uh, I mean, he was, he was young. Yeah, and that that was, he was little. These were not... Barely, you know, because a lot of times those stories will start with like the young, young high schooler or the, you know, 14 year old kid who's skinny and is getting beat up. But no, this was elementary, Greeley Elementary School uh, straight up. So, yeah, this is an Alvi and they all the extras were elementary age kids. I mean, this was for real. And when the monster eats the teacher, I mean, in front of the kid, it's not you know, subtle, like, Oh, you just, oh, yeah, I just pulled. No, I mean, it's pretty graphic. I mean, the, a lot of, you know, so, so, so anyway, but we won't keep harping yeah. on the first one that I literally, like I'm at the end of it. I went, it was dark. And then of course that gets us into our third segment, yes, which is the last story uh, of this entire thing, which is the story of Gordy Belcher, right? Cause Belcher great, by the way, by the way, great name, That's <laughs> great a, name for the character. That was great. <laughs> poor, poor kid. Uh, Gordy Belcher, uh, played by Michael Bauer. And at the, at the time, let's see, it was, uh, 90, the 89, 90, this was shot, right? Yeah, yeah. So at the time he was a late teenager, but in this, they make him out to be a high school age kid. Yeah, I'd say he, he, he totally right? passes for high school yep. age, uh, high school age. And he's, he's definitely a kid kind of on the outside. Um, a little heavy set. He's definitely made fun of. And he, he reminded me, actually, I looked it up because I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Um, he reminded me of Lardass. Oh, totally. From, from Stand, Stand By, by me. me. Yeah, totally. Right. Of, of kind of that highly intelligent, conniving, trying to get back at the world How, type. And before we go, what was your take on him? Because I read a couple things afterwards where some folks had a certain take on him. And I'd be curious to see if yours was more in line with mine. Like, what did you okay. think of his? Well, like, let me give a quick synopsis okay. of this story. Okay. So the story is Gordy. He's an outsider and he is obsessed with flies. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about like movies about flies or learning about uh, entomology. Or even having pet no, flies. No, no. He pretty much just likes catching them, 
ripping their wings off while they're still alive them. while they're yep. still alive yes while they're still alive and gluing them into dioramas where he has all of these little scenes of uh, a little diner and he has a little um uh, sports stadium and he has, and then of course the creepiest one is like a little church where he has a fly jesus <laughs> crucified on a little miniature cross and pews with flies that he glues in place would, would, uh, as, a, as a parent would they give you pause um and uh he keeps the wings so as he rips their wings off he keeps them in a box so that sets the story is up. it wrong that the oddities part of me would be like that's kind of cool son well to some extent it was cool that um it's kind of cool that he finds ways to collect the flies and that he kind of knows that. So in some way, when they first set it up, I was like, okay, I get it. He's a bug kid and he's just not popular and he's getting picked on. And, but then when he goes into the whole putting them in dioramas and mm -hmm. kind of torturing them and that reminded me pretty much of skinning cats. So yeah. my note on this was budding serial killer. Yeah. But here's <laughs> the thing. I kind of felt bad. Like he was a little, uh, there's a couple points where he's a, like a bully douchebag, but you kind of get the insight. It's almost like the, the, this whole segment again, possibly unintentionally gave you the insight into what makes a bully, a bully sometimes that he, I would have given, okay. I would have accepted that. And most of this story. Okay. I'm, I'm just talking about as it was written. I'm not talking about the actor or any of that. As it was written, most of the story, I could have actually given this over to, I feel sorry for the kid. Because they definitely made him a sympathetic character. Because even in the beginning, like he breaks the 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 twist to the story is he breaks into I don't know old man Johnson's farm, which is really a yeah. laboratory where the guy's trying to make this fertilizer that's super juiced up, and he, <laughs> he makes like giant vegetables out of it. So he Gordy steals stuff from him all the time, and this guy uh, catches him one time, and he's a real the kid's a real smart ass, and he you know yells back at him, and so that you can even say okay, but still he's just a teenager. Well, well here's the thing about Farmer Spivey, which is Spivey. Who, that's yes. what it was. Spivey. Well, well, Farmer Spivey, who <laughs> who who when when you uh, you tickle him does this. <laughs> but more importantly, has real life ambition. See, I'd like to get a carrot as big as a man. Who wouldn't like to get a carrot as big as a man? <laughs> right. And, so and, so oh, and what they, one more thing, Jason. Wait. wait, wait, when you say tomato. You say tomato, he says tomato. <laughs> right, which is the whole little TV segment they do where it's the local news station interviewing uh, Farmer Spivey because he's invented this amazing new fertilizer, right? Yes. So at one point, the farmer gives Gordy, he, he says, Oh, truce, truce. Um, I'll, I'm going to give you some of my great special blend of fertilizer. You can have it. Now, Gordy uses this fertilizer in his fly trap. So he puts this manure down in the bottom of this kind of jar contraption that they go into, and then he catches them and that's what he kills them. Well, the twist on it at the very end is that when they eat this special fertilizer, something happens. But here's the point I think that they, that the story makes him now an unsympathetic character. Yes. I can get it that throughout he's just picked on, he's different, his dad's an ass, uh, his mom is just kind of letting it happen. This whole thing is just this terrible scenario, bad family, everything. Uh, until he goes to school and makes this girl 
he sits down with this well, girl. He doesn't says, make her. He he manipulates no, he, her through yeah, pain. He, he, yeah. He um, says, listen, nobody ever sits with me. I'm really a nice guy. Nobody gets to know me. You need to get to know me. Would you like a cookie? And she's this like cheerleader type, but they don't even make her out to be mean. No, she, she, she was she's a, like, yeah, yeah, she's pretty. And she's like, by the way, okay, did, I don't think it was, but she looked like, did you ever watch Roseanne? Yeah. Didn't she look like Becky, the original Becky? Remember how there was two Becky's, the older sister? Yeah. yeah. She looked like uh, yes. the, Lacey so Gorenson, I think was the actress, but I don't think it was actually her. And by the way, Jeremy Miller is who played Ben Seaver. Full disclosure, okay. I cheated in IMDb. That's fine. And I'll, and I'll agree with you. She, she kind of looked like the original Becky, but she was pretty and she seemed like she was relatively popular because they had like three other girls sitting there talking to her and they all leave. And finally, she's like, you know what, Gordy? You're right. I'm sorry. And she sits down to eat yeah, with him. Very like, thoughtful. Yes. yes, that was nice. He's a good girl. And he's like, would you like a cookie? And I, made, I made him myself. Of course, there are freaking fly chip cookies. They are cookies. Well, no, what, what, what makes it worse, though, is he gives it, he's like just kind of beaming at her. So she takes a bite. And he goes, how does it taste? <laughs> and, she, yeah, and, she's, and she says, mm, it's, it's good. Ew. How do you like your flies? <laughs> and then, of course, she runs to the nurse and then the prince, he gets called to the principal. And by the way, he, FYI, may have been a little bit of a drama queen on that one. Okay, yeah, it's <laughs> gross, but... <laughs> yeah, but she's not okay, going to so, need a penicillin shot. Okay. So that, that one scene makes him out to be more of, it was of interesting a, because yeah, that one scene, they, it yeah, one because prior to that, like his father, his father's a complete D bag, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and his mom is, you know, kind of, nah, I wouldn't say flaky, but she does the whole like, Oh, I'm so worried about him. And yeah, like, she's not actually going to intervene or do anything. Yeah, you know? And, oh. and, and just you, on one level you feel bad for him, but it, yeah. he's one of those people that, at the moment you feel bad for me, just acts like such a little turd, no pun intended, yes. that you yes. don't even care anymore. You're like, you know what? You deserve it, you little ass wipe. <laughs> Which is kind of a good setup for the final uh, the final um, piece of that story. Yes. Which is when those flies, when he goes to bed or he has like this series of nightmares, which it was very much um, – inception like because he has a dream that he's in a dream that he's in a dream yes <laughs> so and then he starts floating around the room and like he's able to run across the ceiling and it's like this matrix dodge no. bullets no. it's really bizarre um, but he has these weird like nightmares and then he wakes up and the flies that ate this super manure they are like people-sized flies yes. and i don't mean like a fly human hybrid i mean they are like people-sized flies but they're they're obviously you can see they're practical effects it's it's people in a fly suit and they come after him and they, but I'll tell you again, the smart thing was it was dark enough that it didn't like, if they'd been really well lit, it yes. would have really been goofy, but it no, was, they do a good job yeah. of like showing, uh, just like enough. Yeah. How it goes, how the, the leg comes around the corner and grabs a door yeah. and it's in the shadows. Yeah. So it's not, um, yeah. So, so, so they approach the bed and you hear, you, you know, the, guy, the kid's like, no, no, no. And then the parents get woken up. Yes, of course. Well, the mom gets woken up and is like, honey, go see what's happening. <laughs> and then. <laughs> and then, of course, they come in and the flies have ripped off Gordy's arm. And again, you're like, what the F? I know. Because we're was, like talking about you see bloody stumps on this kid. I thought at that point, I wasn't quite sure if they were going to make him their king. <laughs> or... <laughs> <laughs> Or if they were going to do something bad, I honestly. Well, what thought, I find fascinating this kid is that is obsessed, and they they're going to be like. What I love, oh, it, I love, hell. is the idea that 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 word has gotten back to the fly community. Right, right. That this kid rips off fly wings, and their and their revenge plan 
is to rip his arms off. Yes. <laughs> so they rip his arms off. And what it was creepy about that whole segment is he's like sitting in the corner and the mom looks and and it's like he's not. I, I try to remember. Like, it's I think, even hurts. Yeah, it's like he's kind of. But you like they shadow like his face is hidden in shadow. So it's like you almost don't even want to look. Like you were worried. Like what is what do they really yeah. do to him? And you just could see just in the moonlight these the glistening of the stumps and they're kind of moving. You're like, then, oh my god! The flies comes out from behind the door and it's like carrying his arm. You know? Yeah, so. that's right. It's got his arm. And you're like, and again, I'm like, this is a kids movie. And then. Let's not forget the Coupe de Gracie of this story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that the final shot is a close-up of Gordy laying in a hammock, and uh-huh. it's kind of his face and his chest a little bit. And then the camera helicopters up or booms up, yep. and it's an overhead shot. Because there's a it fly. There's up. a fly, like, around his nose. Yes, and so it booms up, and as it flies up into the, the backyard up above the house, this you see him laying in a hammock with two prosthetic arms with the hooks hooks on the end. Yeah, hooks, yeah. And he's just kind of laying there, just kind of sitting in a hammock, not really moving, not really crying, but he's alive. And he's just got two hooks. Yeah. (laughs) And and then that's it. And it's like... Cut to or fade out. No, then it goes into... Executive producer George A. Romero. Yeah, so then it goes back to the boys in um, in the tent. So that brings us to the kind of the icing on the cake, uh, which is... They've told the stories and like, no, that's not true. And that's when, because along the way, they've kind of been talking about Sean Astin, Michael, which ah, Mikey. Ah, was I his get name, oh, was his name Mikey in the, in the actual movie? I didn't remember that. In this movie, his name is Michael. Ah, ah, get Mike, it. Michael. Get ah. it. So anyway, they're playing that Michael's dad is the one that uh, has allowed them to go in the backyard. And that's the uncle of the two younger boys. So they kind of reference it. And then at the end, you hear that voice, which you played at the opening, which was, are you our boys aren't giving each other the willies, are you? And it's dark. Yes, so move over. I'm coming in. <laughs> so you can't really see who it is. And he's just kind of talking and like, no, dad, or whatever. And then Sean asks, is like, dad, they didn't believe me. And then, of course, they do the horror reveal. Well, anyway, and, his fa- and his face is hidden in shadow at first. Right, because you can't see him. Uh, you just kind of see him poking his head in. They, and then they show at the end, that it's or when this happens, they show it's really in, like, their backyard of their house. So when the dad pokes his head in, he obviously is coming out from the uh, house and saying, you boys okay? And then Sean asks that they didn't believe me. And he says, oh, it was true. Every word. And then he, they show the light on his face. And he's the janitor. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then at that point, he's like, show him, dad. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and he uh, uh, he pretty much rips his face off and he turns into the monster. And then that's the end. Which, now, which I will make the point, in my opinion, the weakest part of the whole thing, because typically a bookend on those kind of movies, it does always end with that kind of twist. Haha. But A, yeah. you see it coming a mile away. B, it felt very tacked on because there's nothing leading up to it that would have given you, like Tales from the Hood, they go to the funeral home, right? And the whole connective tissue, now granted the connective tissue, this is this guy's telling stories in the tent, but in Tales from the Hood, the funeral director, right, is taking the kids around and all how these people died. And the original Tales from the Dark Side movie, as I recall, it's uh, uh, Deborah Harry, aka Blondie, is got this kid in her house and he's telling her stories because she's kind of a, Essentially, she's going to cook and eat him, and he's trying to keep her at bay. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and so they, they, that's going all the way to the end. And, and then it leads to like it, it builds to the twist. This okay. never really built to it. It just kind of ends with that. No, it just like, kind of blasted you at the end with it. Yeah. yeah. Now here, I did not look this up, but I know you'll know it. This story reminded me, and I have only a sense memory. I have no idea who was in it. I have a, I have a memory of a grown man and woman and he falls in love with her, but she has this secret and he, she can never tell Tales him. Tales of the secret. Dark Side of the movie. And it's uh, Ray, movie? Ray Don Chong. And, yes, and oh, like, no, 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 hold on, it's, it's the bad guy from 48 Hours. Oh, what's his name? Oh, right now, Peter's like, you're an idiot, Joel. <laughs> Damn it. I gotta, I'm gonna I'll look to- it up. Give me a second. But she basically does the, you can never know my secret. Yep. And yep, that's, at that's the, the end, the, he finally. Yep. Uh, 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 spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> and she's a monster. Mm-hmm. And she has like eat seamer. But killed. that's within contained so. within that story. James Reamer. That's it. Yeah, I knew it was James something. I couldn't remember. His yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, Reamer, so yeah. that's what I thought of when I saw this. And he's like, uh, because I'm thinking, holy shit, that's their uncle. They've grown up with him this whole time, and now he's just gonna kill them. But like, again, he's been a monster. But this again, whole going time. back to my child predator thing, it does. It is. It has added a little creep where it's almost like the cousin was setting his younger like cause those are kids are like just maybe middle like young middle school age junior high yeah but they should have set it up more that this was like someone they knew from school that was a friend or a long lost cousin but the idea that they knew him all this time yeah but think about if you go if you want to get dark on this you know what i'm saying I mean, you know, but you know where I'm going? Oh, you this? know, you know, I want to go dark. So yeah, but I'm just the uh, idea of like a be you know somebody in your family, and I don't. Yeah, I again, yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that was not intended, but that's how it could be read. <laughs> and if it's read that way, this movie does give you the freaking willies because it's it creepy. <laughs> it does, it does. Oh, so okay. Anyway, okay. So here we come to uh, the most important part of this review is what do you think? Well, no, the most important part is that there uh, are the four cameos. We mentioned Ben, a.k.a. Jer- Jeremy Miller from Growing Pains. But oh, the, that's what, right. That's right. Wait, wait, the anchor that when during the during the hold on, I got to do it again just because I love it so much. You say tomato. He says tomato. I love his voice <laughs> cracking. That's the best part. Tomato. <laughs> but the anchor, the, the hot brunette anchor girl, not the guy, <laughs> the girl. Yeah. Did you recognize her? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was Chelsea Noble, who was on. Yep, she was from Growing Pain. She was. Uh, I'm noticing a theme. Kurt Cameron's girlfriend in that, right? And I think in real life, didn't they end up getting married? I think so, yeah. But then during Gordy's dream, that was awesome. Oh, yes, of course. It's Mike Seaver. Yeah, the TV's on. Cameron. He comes in, the TV's on, and grow- it's like, he usually kill me, dude. It was an episode of Growing Pains. It wasn't. It was. The set was right. It was. There was like a table. The the, yeah. Costume. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the only thing I could figure is because here's the thing: Richard Peck, the director of this, was an actor who was appeared on several episodes of Growing Pains. If you look him up. Yep. Yep. So yep. he either I, obviously he was friends with the cast because he got all yep. of them in his movie, but he must have been friends with the producers or something because yeah, that yeah. was the kitchen. Like it was that tight. Was the actual kitchen. And then it actually, and then of course she calls it, he calls Carol, Carol and Carol calls Mike. Tracy Mike. Gold. Yeah. It's really Tracy gold. Yeah. Uh, Carol Seaver. And they're talking. And then all of a sudden he said, no, but this is for Gordy Belcher. And yeah, he starts talking about flies and, and the way yeah. they played it, it was literally it was like, brilliant. it was, it was great, man. Cause it was like, there was like, it was either, I think it was a laugh track. Yeah. It felt like he was, I was surprised. It seemed a little more, expensive it reminded me of well, it reminded me of something you would have seen like uh like friday uh, nightmare on elm street three 
like yeah. in Nightmare on Street 3, I can't remember what the talk show is, but because uh, it's in the uh, the institution and the one girl smoking cigarettes late at night, watching the TV, remember, and she's watching like a late night show. And I can't remember if it, it wasn't like, maybe it was, it wasn't Letterman. But yeah. all of a sudden, an actor's on. I think it's like Robert England, but then he changed because he's Freddie. Yeah, and he comes yeah, on the yeah. TV and he grabs her and he goes, Welcome to prime time, bitch. And he shrugs yes, her face. Okay. Yes, but yes. That, that's what that felt like. I was like, yeah. Again, holy crap. Didn't expect that. I was surprised. It was it was definitely uh, a twist that I wasn't yeah. expecting. So. Yes. But anyway, right, so. Who so were the other cameos? Um, that mattered to me. Virtually. Yeah, the ones that you were. Although, you, was it because you, you remember me telling about the uh, podcast Doug Loves Movies? Yeah, Doug Benson. He was the zombie. They were the old yes, man. Yes. Yeah, I caught. Yeah, I caught that just because I was. I wouldn't have known that had I not checked. Uh, no, no, I I looked it up. Yeah, but uh, and then of course we did mention um, the Bill Irwin, who was the old guy yep. in uh, uh, the ride. He was there, and and um, Clue Gulliger played the principal at Greeley. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is he was in a movie with Richard Peck. Richard Peck, I got to give the credit, credit to this guy. Either he must be like the coolest, nicest guy in the world and people just love him or he's got like dirt on everybody because everybody's in his movies. Because, yeah. because he did he did another movie with Clue Gallagher, which was the original yeah. Return of the Living Dead. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but he, he was also, Clue Gallagher was mostly known for his, his, uh, Westerns. Yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, cause he was kind of that cowboy and type. for, and for creating the progeny that is uh, John Gallagher who went on to be project Greenlight, uh, which is the only season I ever watched of that. Uh, it, it, would you ever watch that? It was a Matt Damon, uh, I think Affleck executive mm, produced it no. and it was a reality show where they would get a filmmaker they pick a filmmaker to make a movie and like they, you go with them through the whole production. The last season of it, they did a movie called feast. And it was, it's a movie you can rent now. It's like available, but Clue Gulliger's son, John, who was like, I think at the time, like in his early forties, he got, he had been like wanting to be a filmmaker his whole life. And he'd made like you know, little short films and such got this opportunity. It was, it was, it was interesting. And his dad was in Clue Gulliger. He got his dad to be in the movie. And, and so, uh, that was other than Return of the Living Dead. That's how I knew Clue Gulliger. <laughs> and, gotcha. and of course, James Karen was also in Return of the Living Dead. So. Yeah. yeah and then you will recognize Mrs. Titmarsh because yes. she is, uh, she's, a famous actor has been around for that a long time. That was what it was, Inner Space, because she was in Inner Space, the redheaded lady in the, you know, I am not paying for that, honey. That whole. Oh, se- yeah. That's yeah. why I picked this Willie's as my pick at that. Yeah. Time. And she has a very classic voice. I think she was in uh, a voice in Shrek and a mm-hmm. few other uh, um, animated features as well. But uh, so she's she's someone you would recognize from film. The kid's mother at the end of the janitor episode. I can't remember the actress's name, but the redhead. She's been yeah. in stuff, a lot of stuff. Yeah, Patrick Darbo. I had her written down because uh, she was in, um, uh, oh gosh, <sighs> there was an animated movie. It was not a Disney one, but it was the desert one. You said, was it you that, no, it was the, the chameleon one, Rango? Oh, Rango, yeah. Yes, she was in that because okay. my wife said she watched it and it made her thirsty because it was all in the desert. So, <laughs> <laughs> but. But it's there's a lot. There's actually a lot of faces that you look and like, oh, I know her. And and most of them, you may or may not recognize. You you know, for those of you who are movie buffs like us, you you will definitely recognize what movies are from. But it's a lot of familiar faces that went on to do other things or were from older movies mm-hmm. and are in this as well. So it was, it was surprisingly a, lot, a large number of people. This was not like a cast of complete unknowns. And no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't and again. Uh, it felt like a Tales from the Dark Side episode yeah. because that's again a very Tales from the Dark Side thing where you'd have like yeah. a, several actors that you never knew, maybe never heard of again, but then you'd have a couple featured. Yep. celebrity type at least from the time period so yeah okay so that leads me to what do you think so you want me to go first this time <sighs> no i'll start <laughs> <laughs> just like when we're in bed oh wait oh what hey oh um, 
<laughs> Why do you think we picked the Willies? <laughs> <laughs> this was I. I'm gonna have to. Okay, so going our on our v, VHS rental scale. Yes. I wouldn't have taken this back same day. Okay. But I would have taken it back the next day. There were some good things about it uh, that made it, like you said, it surprised me at some of the smart things that they did or some of the way that they kept you off timing, but there was enough kind of cheesy and I don't mean good cheesy, but enough kind of off putting the rhythm wasn't quite right. And the fact that there are so many other horror anthologies that I feel like I really have done a great job. Oh, yeah. and I feel like I really love Yeah, that this one, if I put it in that series of movies, it just doesn't hit it for me. So I'd give it a two. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think Sean ass is probably trying to race this off his resume. So. Well, well here, here we're going to finally disagree in the opposite direction. <laughs> a five. No, I'm just kidding. I can't do that. I can not <laughs> with a straight face. Uh, yeah. no, no, but I have to give it almost two ratings. The rating of had I seen this in 1990 in eighth grade, at, yeah. at sort of the my my true blossoming of my my horror fanness, I had been exposed to horror at four years old with Devil Doll, Creature Feature, Doctor Paul Bearer, yep. and so I've been exposed to horror multiple times. But when I would say when I became a true sort of becoming a fan was eighth grade, yeah, seventh to eighth grade, and then eighth grade was sort of like I, I lived with my dad, so let's just put it this way wasn't a real stickler for what I rented and, and we had, gotcha. had the, uh, the video card and would go down yeah. when they did like 99 cent Wednesdays. And let's just say I'd binge. Yep. And <laughs> this movie I would have loved at that age. I no. don't know why the hell I never saw it. Quite frankly, I liked Sean Aston then I liked whitewater yeah. summer. Uh, even as a kid, I liked Goonies and you know, I mean, I liked him. So I yeah, don't know I, why I never saw this. This would have been totally my cup of tea. Plus, it was not just a kids horror movie. It was a dark kids horror movie. And I really, really liked it. So then I would have given it a four. Easy. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. If I had watched this as a teenage boy, yeah. I would have loved it. And now, I would have had nostalgia for it, yes. I'm sure. Because now comparing it to truly great anthologies, I'm not going to do because I. you're right. I don't think it holds up compared to some of them. Yeah. But for what it, for what it is for what I know that they accomplished on a low budget for the fact that it really threw me off kilter multiple times in a good way. Yeah. I mean, like I was yeah, like, yeah, caught you off guard, caught, caught me off guard. I mean, in a way, I guess you could say, well, it took you out of the movie, but yeah, but in a good way, it was like, I was more like pleasantly surprised. Like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Holy crap. Uh, it, and I think when a movie does that, when it, I can't predict every single freaking thing and I'm just bored out of my skull, uh, yeah. and it, I'd give it a three. All right. See, I don't, I don't hate that rating and I don't think we're that yeah. far off. Nah. There were some little things that, like I, would, like I said, caught me. But yeah. like I could see myself watching it again at some point, not to say from beginning to end, but just almost just watching yeah. certain parts. Plus, I mean, I, and I, I, I don't some of the practical effects due to lighting and things weren't necessarily perfect, but they again, did a pretty good job I, for what again, low budge. Yeah. It yep. came it came up that Altarian Studios was a part of which is the Tony Gardner uh, effect shop, which I went through the credits on, uh, on Imdaba and I didn't see his name anywhere. So I don't know if. I, he wouldn't. Yeah. He wouldn't have taken that off. I can't imagine. I mean, there would be no reason for him to take that off his resume. So uh, I don't know why or that that studios. Uh, yeah, uh, it, maybe that wasn't. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was. It was in the credits. I caught it in the credits yeah. and, and jotted it down. But yeah. uh, William Stout, I believe, was the guy who was given credit for the creature effect for the monster. Which again, I and the monster. Listen, I'm going to say. I liked the monster. I did too. Like you said, it was like a, it was like it was, it was like a it was like a monkey that had been skinned or something, and yes. it was creepy. 
and it, they did a great job with the shadows yeah. with it. And, uh, I did like that. So the practical like, effects were great. Yeah. And as, as those go, I was, I was, uh, Oh, and dude, impressed. and this is the subtlety of when James Karen is the janitor pulls yep. the face back on. And he goes, hello, handsome. Yeah. But, 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 but the way they, cause it, of course, pre CGI. Oh yeah. That was he, his, a real skin of his face. Yeah, but they real, really sold. Cause it, it, I know yeah. there was a cut there, but the way he pulled on the mask and then he moves is all pretty much in one take. It, Looked yeah. really good. It didn't look like he put a lot of times you see those movies. They'll put on a fake face and just and then they'll and kind it's of just look like a collar. Yeah, and he's pulling down. Yeah, exactly. Like what they'll do is they'll yeah. lower their head and then when they lift it yeah. back up, it's a real. No, no, this was this was really really good. They put a lot of time into yeah. that. Mask. I was, uh, that was so like I said for that. I, yeah. I actually probably would give it a three point five if we did decimals, but we don't. But we it's don't. a three. <laughs> All right. So here's the question: Do you have a pick? Oh oh, I do have a pick. <laughs> do you have a pick? I do. Uh, mine's not that difficult, um, and it's not a big deal because we've covered a lot of horror anthologies before, and I didn't want to go into those again. Um, but I was impressed by um, Brian Peck, the the guy you mentioned, who's the director of this movie, uh, was also an actor, and yeah. he was in a movie. I dare say the only Shia LaBeouf movie that I liked. I think uh, I know what you're picking because it's the only <laughs> one I like. Yes, he was and in that the movie. movie was Suburbia. <laughs> no. no holes oh yes uh, i love holes which was done in 2003 <laughs> who doesn't love holes <laughs> and it was one of those that my kids you know it was like and i know it wasn't produced by nickelodeon but it was one of those like nickelodeon yes. type movies or yeah. disney type movies and i was like yeah yeah kids movie and i watched them like wow that was actually impressive it was pretty good it and starts sigourney weaver john Voigt, yeah um shia labeouf as a kid and it was it was really well told the acting for the kids was good. And, um, it's a kid's movie. It's rated PG, uh, for a little bit of, I say like violence, almost, uh, scariness, but it was well done. And I, I really liked it. So, uh, it's not quite horror, but it's definitely more of a kid's horror than, <laughs> than the Willies was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was definitely had some scary elements to it and, and stuff. So, uh, I liked it, but Anyway, so if you if you get a chance, watch it. Holes, um, 2003. It is that is a great choice. I really like that movie, so it's a good choice, my friend. My pick, I went, I wait for it, horror, <laughs> and another. It, it was a movie that Richard Peck has a mild cameo in, but he is definitely connected to. James Cameron is in, as is another. Uh, and I'm brain farting on why am I brain farting on her name? Dang it, I hate when I do that. Um, cause we've, she's one of our early on forgotten flicks, consistent actors that would seem to be in everything we were talking about. Uh, it, it, was it Deborah or something? Hold on. I'm cheating. As soon as I see it, I'll know. I'll be like, Dang it, Joel. Uh, oh no, 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 no. She played Deb in weird science. Suzanne Snyder. Remember oh, yeah, yeah. killer yep. clowns from outer space. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 The My, blonde girl. was Yeah. Yep. Yep. My pick is return of the living dead. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, part two uh -huh. and wait what year was that 1988 oh okay did you ever see this one uh, i know i've seen return of the living dead mm -hmm. the 85 one yes i don't know or i don't think i've seen the second one okay the the first off the poster is awesome and totally is a rip off of fright night <laughs> <laughs> yes and i i it's been so like this is one we will eventually have to do because it's been so long since i've seen it and I remember the story was, I liked it because I was about the age of the kid. He's like a 12 year old kid. He's a comic book geek. And, and yeah. it's, he's in one of those 
Calif- Southern California, not quite Spielbergian, but sort of a Spielbergian subdivision, but it was like yeah, under development. Yeah. And yep. one of these you know, cans that have the, the living dead in them with the gas that causes people to die is, you know, ends up there. And there's this bully that picks on him. And I remember that. And I remember that it was really it threw me because I, I want to say I may have seen this one and then seen the, the original because uh, yeah. well, what threw me was is James Cameron, uh, James Cameron, James, James Karen. James Karen. Thank you. And yep. Tom Matthews, who played Tommy Jarvis in the best Friday the 13th movie, part six. Don't judge me. <laughs> yes. It, it, they were in the original and remember they get sick and start to turn yeah. slowly. Well, they're in this one playing grave robbers. See the first one, they were like guys working at a, like a science, like almost like doing security at this science yeah. lab. This one, they're like grave robbers and they get exposed and they slowly turn. So it's, but and, and at one point they kept talking about like having deja vu. And it really is a weird <laughs> angle that they took to have the, it's almost like they're like the C3PO and RTD2 in hell for this series. It, it's weird. Yeah. So, I, I don't know what the thinking, but the main thing that always sticks out in my mind from this movie, and and this will tell you, Jason, if you did see it, you just don't remember, yeah. it is the following. Get that damn screwdriver out of the head! Get that damn <laughs> screwdriver out See, this of is where my head! Ruined. This is where you've ruined me. I've heard you say that line no less than two dozen times, yes. but I can't remember if I saw the movie. Or not. Yes, but but it is it is an integral part. <laughs> so I get it. Integral to the story. So yes, that like 1988. 1988, Return of the Living Dead. We we're gonna have to add that. Maybe that's a Spooky Flicks Fest 2014. But uh, possibly part two. I probably should say that. Yeah. Yes, part two. 88. Yes. So my friend, would you like to hit them with some uh, information? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can join the conversation and uh, see a little more real time what we're doing on Facebook. We have a group that you can join and uh, a lot of members there will share a lot about the movies they're watching now or things that are going on. Or you can check us out on our actual fan page. Uh, we'll post the episodes there, trailers from the movie clips, including schnookums blowing up out of the microwave. Yes. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Forgotten Flicks. Uh, that's Joel and I am at Flicks Sidekick. And then, of course, as always, our hub of this great massive wheel that is Forgotten Flicks, uh, ForgottenFlicks.com. You can find uh, reviews and articles and all kinds of other stuff as well as our show. So I, I think I think that's it. Well done. And <laughs> on that note, I believe we could put this one to bed in a tent and give it the willies. <laughs> Wet willies. Yes, indeed. Do you have any any final words? <laughs> <laughs> well, dunk my bread in the gravy. The old geezer is nuts. <laughs>